This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Analyse and Anfield, your tactics and analytics podcast, KLC of the Blood Red channel. I'm Josh Williams and I'm joined after a week on the substitute bench by David Hughes. How are you getting on, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Good to be back. Uh, I'm sure I wasn't missed with Guy Clark stepping in and taking over. Well, he's ever reliable, isn't he? He's, uh, he's always putting in a solid performance. He did that again last week. Yeah. But it's good to have you back. And uh, you, I mean, we've got plenty to talk about, haven't we? This week was initially going to be a bit of a transfer committee podcast with a specific focus on Sadio Mane replacements. But Liverpool have kind of beat us to it. Uh, we've missed a boat a little bit on that one. So since we since we agreed that we were, we were going to record that, Liverpool seem to have agreed. Well, I mean, they seem on the verge of agreeing a deal for Darwin Nunes, right? So uh, most of this episode is going to be dedicated to him. A uh, bit of a surprise move. Plenty to talk about with that one. And depending on where we are at, once we finish that, we will talk about further squad issues. But Darwin Nunes, mate, uh, surprised? Uh, a little bit, yeah, I am. Obviously, he's been on the radar for a little while. Um, I mean, you know, full disclosure from the outset, he's not a player um, I was particularly aware of, you know, beyond 12 months ago. But then, you know, with all due respect, if you kind of look at his career before this campaign, there, there was nothing really, you'd say, particularly outstanding. Just looked like a fairly decent player, decent young player. But um, obviously this season, he's, he's kind of blown up. Scored a ton of goals, um, big goals in, in big competitions as well. Obviously, he's done really well in, in Portugal, but uh, scoring goals in the Champions League. Coincidentally, obviously scored home and away against Liverpool. Um, put him on the radar. A lot of Premier League clubs, Manchester United, looked like the ones who were who were the most interested, which is understandable. They need a forward, but here we are. Liverpool have have shown a hand a little bit, and surprisingly, look like they're about to make a move. And it, 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 I guess it shows where where Liverpool are at at the moment. That you know, if both Manchester United and Liverpool come to the table, um, most top players are going to be choosing Anfield over Old Trafford, and especially with the. The, the Champions League footballers as that kind of added, added incentive. So, yeah, to answer your initial question, Josh, very, uh, very surprised at that one. Yeah, I am as well. Um, we, we we did a, an episode of a couple of months back, maybe six months ago or something like that, and we, we do them every now and then, don't we, where we, we just go through scouting picks, uh, not necessarily for Liverpool, just players we like to look of, players to keep an eye on. And my player at the time was Nunes, but I remember saying, that I don't know if he's Liverpool level. And uh, my analysis of him at the time as well was was pretty <laughs> pretty basic in a way because I've since looked at him and realised that I was I was wrong in some of the things that I said. Um we'll we'll get to that. But I think it's interesting that, you know, in, in January West Ham bid for him. West Ham tried to get him for about fifty million, I think. David Moyes in need of a striker. I mean David Moyes knows that five to be fair to So he was that, that five oh or one. Was that five? Yeah, oh, you said 50, 50. yeah, 50. Yeah, cool. And uh, Benfica rejected it. And uh, his, his trajectory seemed to continue for the rest of the season to the extent that now Liverpool are trying to get him. And, uh, you know, Manchester United, as you say, 
pretty interesting there that they don't even seem to be interested in engaging in much of a battle with Liverpool really. It doesn't like a few years back they both engaged in a battle for I think it was Memphis to play. And this time around, Man United don't even seem to be to be starting and just because they probably appreciate that Liverpool are on a different level at the minute. But um mm. in terms of Nunes then, just as overall game, one of the reasons this is such an interesting transfer, in fact it's, it, it could be would you say maybe the, the most interesting move Liverpool have made since we've covered them? Probably, yeah, because what they've done really well, obviously, over the past uh, few years is they've kind of recruited uh, for players who, who really fit well with the, the shape that they play, you know, like a, a 4-3-3 fit the style, similar-ish profiles. But, you know, Nunes, is, it, you could argue, is, is quite different, isn't he? Yeah, well, he, that, that, that's what I mean. He's 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 kind of the first striker, the first proper striker that that Klopp is, it seems to be signing. Um, you know, he's he's demonstrated a bit of an obsession, obsession with forwards since he's been at Liverpool. Forwards for me are slightly different to strikers. Strikers predominantly play through the middle, occupy the penalty box, finish moves, don't really construct moves too much, don't really play on the flanks too much. I think. Nunes has got a little bit of the left flank about him, but he, he is predominantly a number nine for me. And uh, it's it's interesting that Liverpool are going to move towards that, considering, you know, the, the, they've been wedded to forwards for, for a few years now. Um, but one, but the first thing I want to touch on, mate, is his finishing. And the reason I find that it's, it, it's interesting is because of the, the numbers behind it. Now, he's, he's obviously regarded as a proper elite finisher, had a great season. Uh, this year, he has scored 26 league goals with four assists. So, he's obviously more of a scorer than a creator. Um, 22 of those goals were non-penalty. And he also scored a further, a further six in the Champions League. Two of which came against Liverpool. Um, so, he's obviously got finishing on his side. But if you look at the numbers behind the finish, his finishing, I'm not sure you've seen them. His conversion rate this season... Well, in in the Portuguese Premier League, was twenty seven point two percent. Now, anyone who who regularly looks at the numbers will know that that's that's a significant jump above average. Um, that the top performers in Europe typically around fifteen twenty percent is it, Dave? Yeah, somewhere between there. Yeah, yeah. Well, for Nunes to post twenty seven percent, it's it's good and it's bad because it's it, mm. it showcases that he's being clinical and ruthless. But then, you know, the analyst, the analytics take on it, I suppose, would be, well, it's not going to continue. <laughs> yeah, and it's a really good point you make. It's something I thought, you know, when I've when I've watched them, and because uh, inevitably in the roles that we have and the clubs that we cover. Um, I've written about him a lot, and I'm pretty sure you would have been writing about him a lot as well. Um, one thing that's really stood out to me is I was looking at a lot of the goals and a lot of the uh, shots he was taking. I was thinking he's a player who's really confident at the moment. You know, he's he's in a really confident mood. Um, you know, shooting from many different positions and kind of scoring these worldies, but that's kind of. Uh, almost inflated this game where you're seeing him pinging 40-yard balls, uh, passes and things. Just really, really um, impressive stuff. But stuff that tends to 
you tend to do when everything's going your way, you know, when your confidence is really high. Um, and I think, think this leads to the point that you're making with the conversion rate. I'd be interested to see uh, over a more prolonged period if th that sort of finishing efficiency would be maintained or as you've just had a really hot season uh, because the issue we have is pre the, the last 12 months, you know, there's not a ton to go off, you know, certainly at a, a top tier, uh, there's not a ton to work with to try and kind of use it as a, an extra measurement. So yeah, you are right. It's, it's both a, a positive because you, in, in one, on one hand, you can make the case you've got a really efficient finisher here, but on the other hand, it's, as he just had a really good season, you know, is he as good as he's looking now? And if he isn't, then, you know, the, the potential fee to bring him in could be a, a massive investment that might not be worth it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, in that sense, it's it's a similar deal, I think, to Luis Diaz. Because when, when we signed Diaz, one of the reasons we were initially surprised was because um, he didn't really have much background behind him. You know, he, he hadn't been on the, the European scene for very long. He'd been playing in Colombia about two years previous to his move to Liverpool, I think. Uh, so we haven't been on the scene for very long in Liverpool's tendency when it comes to signing these players, particularly the expensive ones. They've usually got years of proof behind them. Diaz didn't really have that. It, obviously, it hasn't proved to be a problem. But when it comes to Nunes, Nunes hasn't really got that either. He has just obviously experienced a season at Benfica. Last season, he also spent at Benfica. But the year before, Spanish second division, you know, playing for Almeria. And the year before that, he he just spent his, his third year with uh, with Penarol in uh, the Uruguayan first division, top flight. So uh, there's not that much to go on, which is why these finishing numbers in particular are interesting, because he does seem to be clinical seems to be ruthless he takes his chances and all that but it's it's just a relatively short sample size compared to uh, what we used to dealing with when it comes to Liverpool forwards um for a bit of perspective I think this season I think Sadio Mane's conversion rate was about 16 percent I think Jota's was about the same uh Cristiano Ronaldo's I think were about the same Son Young Min for perspective is 28 percent this season so but but he he is that player for me Dave he, he's that kind of player who, who does take his chances son uh, and he's proven that over over an extended period of time he consistently over overperforms his xg Nunes is a little bit less, less of that um this season again for a bit of perspective according to opta numbers he posted an xg in the portuguese top flight of about 15 and he scored I think it was 22 non-penalty goals. So he's overperformed next year by about seven goals there. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I seem to remember that he, um, he, he's had more, more than one kind of goal from distance as well. As we were talking, actually, he was trying to bring up his, his goals, see how many came from outside the box. But, um, yeah, I mean, me internet connection is pretty poor, so it's taken forever. <laughs> um, I don't want to keep people waiting, so maybe I'll look at that in a minute. But uh, I remember him scoring a few of those goals, which uh, on one hand you can say, okay, he's capable of scoring them, but uh, on the other hand, you know, there's a reason why people don't score those goals consistently because they're, they're hard to kind of replicate. Um, so that'll play into why he's overperformed. But 
I mean, it sounds like we're being really negative. It isn't. You know, it's it, it, you can make a, a strong case that he, he on paper looks to be an efficient finisher. You know, that kind of matches what we've seen with the, you know, the the eye test. I guess you could label it. You know, watch them. He's, he's looked really dangerous in front of goal. Uh, but there is, there is also this other part that's worth highlighting that, okay, you know, you, you in an ideal world, you probably, for example, you're using the um, comparison of Son, aren't you, Josh? And you're, you've said there, you know, you see him as as that, that guy, you know, a, a top, top finisher. I agree. Uh, but we also have, you know, X amount of Premier League campaigns to, to lean back on to, to, to form that narrative where there's it's a little bit more uh the, the water's a little bit more muddy with, with Nunes, shall we say. Uh, but I think what and maybe we'll we'll come on to this in a little bit, but I, I think a big thing with him is um it's not just his goals. I think Liverpool buying him for is it it's probably um the other stuff as well, you know, is is kind of physical traits and what he can offer in that sense that is is maybe just as important in terms of the long term stuff. Yeah, I mean the, the reason I raised the the finishing thing first is is just simply because it's it's probably the the immediate analytics take when you when you look at his numbers that that he he has converted his chances to a ridiculous level. Uh, I said I sent out a newsletter yesterday on him, and I said if he's gonna convert twenty seven point two percent of his shots for the rest of his career, I mean he's comfortably worth the fee, isn't he? Uh, yeah. But one thing I wanted to ask you beyond the analytics then is what's your take on him in terms of the eye test, in terms of how he looks? Mm. Because I think he's, he, he comes across to me as a little bit awkward almost, but sometimes your eyes can do that to you. Yeah, I think, you know what I think that comes down to? Um, initially his size, you know, 6'2", big player, yeah. uh, big profile. Um, sometimes you will see if a few of his touches look a little bit loose, but... Um, I think he's actually got quite decent feet considering his size. Um, you know, I've seen him, especially if you if you see some of those clips of him out on the out, out on the left. I think he cuts in really well uh, into that kind of shooting position. Um, so yeah, I, I think he's probably technically a little bit better than 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 we maybe have given credit for in the past. Um, but uh, on, on the subject of you saying maybe your eyes tricking you a little bit, I do just think that's because of his size. Um, However, it's it's good to have that, especially in this league, because it's uh, it's really key in kind of you know holding off big defenders and 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 he can kind of be a you know I know we talked about this before, but he, and it's a little bit cliche, but he's got the profile that can be that you know that target man that nobody like currently in this Liverpool squad can kind of replicate what 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 he can potentially bring. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, one one of the players who uh, I think I associate him with when I'm watching him, particularly when he's when he's going direct with an opponent, when he's running with the ball, carrying the ball. He reminds me a little bit of the Liverpool version of Fernando Torres. Um, mm. Fernando Torres was was similar in terms of he was quick, but he was also over six foot, really good in the air. Um, maybe a little bit less inclined to come wide, but when Torres was running with the ball specifically. At his opponents, I always felt that he that he he never really looked like he knew what he was doing or or where he was going. It was kind of on the fly stuff, and um, mm. his dribble his dribbling and his close control never appeared 
that amazing, yet he still just regularly beat his man, regularly mm-hmm. caused issues through it, and just seemed to be good at it. Uh, I remember a few mm-hmm. years ago, Liverpool had centre-half, uh, Mamadou Sacco, and on the ball, people were just generally concerned with him on the ball because he just looked awkward. But he never really was. He, he was always just relatively decent and he just always usually kept the ball, really. So, as I said, sometimes your eyes can play games with you when it comes to that sort of stuff. I do think he's a little bit like maybe a jotter in terms of it is he's not properly refined when it comes to his, his touch and his, his close control and things like that, maybe like a Guardiola player. But he is still technically highest level. Um, so I don't think it's going to be an issue with him like that, but I think he's going to be another Klopp, Liverpool type forward in that maybe he's inclined to lose the ball a lot. Maybe his first touch yeah. is going to be off, off a fair bit and he can be a little bit frustrating maybe at times. I think that's been a, a word of his early his early career for Benfica. Uh, that the fans were frustrated with him initially and then he just, he just kind of exploded. But uh, mm. you mentioned... The, the you know the height of him, the size of him, say six six two. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's gonna be interesting considering how, how his presence might impact Trent. Yeah. Well you know, and Robertson on the other side. Um, you know, you, you've yeah. got kind of two elite wing backs, certainly from an offensive point of view, uh both capable of um, so many um dangerous crosses per game really a lot you know right up there can can put a variety of great balls in and you kind of look back and you think okay Liverpool have had a lot of success in terms of you know cutbacks and what I would say in all fairness although Liverpool's attack hasn't been a, a big attack for much of Klopp's time if you think of Mane Firmino Salah etc Jota who's come in uh not a huge side but um, very good in the air, to be fair. You know, Mane mm. scored a good, good few head, headed goals. Um, I think Jota has got a few as well. So they are dangerous uh, from that kind of attacking point of view. But I don't think you can substitute what uh, a big aerial presence brings to the team. Liverpool haven't had that. Suddenly they have. Uh, if you think of not only kind of Trent and Robertson putting those balls in the box, but if you think of set pieces, you know. How dangerous are Liverpool from set pieces? Yeah. Uh, you know, Van Dijk often profits. Suddenly, you've got a, a, a forward on the pitch who uh, who's, who's good in the air, has a big you know, presence from these moments, and, and I think honestly can 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 take them up a level in terms of in terms of the threat they pose. Yeah, well, this season he he scored. I think it was seven seven goals in all competitions from, with his head. Uh, but at Liverpool, if he was to play for Liverpool, I'd, I'd expect that those numbers to maybe benefit from a little bit of a jump simply because of the mm. the deliveries he's being presented with. I think Trent in particular is inclined to hit those whipped crosses from the half space areas, whereas Robertson is mm. maybe a bit more, bit more of a byline man. Um, mm. So I think Trent can certainly benefit from uh, one curious thing, by the way, Dave, about uh, Liverpool's forwards. I had no idea Jota was 5'10". I thought he was shorter than that. Mane's 5'8", for example. Jota's one of Liverpool's... I think he's Liverpool's tallest forward. I mean, two things. One, neither did I. That's really caught me off. I would have thought he was about 5'8", 5'9". Uh, yeah. And two, the fact that 5'10 is one of the tallest for forward kind of <laughs> hammers all my point, doesn't it? Really, that there isn't anyone like that at the moment in the team. What, uh, yeah. Josh, what's Salah? 
Um, you know what? I'll get him up now while you're speaking. But I yeah. don't think he's, uh, he's much much different. Yeah, five eight. Yeah, yeah. I, I would have put them all in the same category. I know we're only talking a few inches, but you know, it makes the difference. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so where else can we go on on Diaz then? So I think one of the main talking points, obviously, is price. Now he, he is looking very expensive at the minute, according to reports. As I said, we we haven't we are recording before the deal has been agreed, so it's it's not confirmed, nothing like that. But reports in Portugal, at least, suggest that it's it's eighty million plus twenty million in potential add-ons, mm-hmm. um, which would be a Liverpool transfer record, and would be very unlike the club, in my opinion. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's quite surprising, really surprising. Yeah. Two ways to look at it for me. Uh, on the positive aspect, you can say, if you look at the, the price tags for a lot of forwards now in, in Europe, including Lukaku's deal last season, uh, you'd have to say maybe in and around 80 million now is, is the going rate for for a consistent goal scorer. So from that point of view, I could understand it. But that being said... Uh, for me, and this is personal opinion, uh, based on what we've just been talking about, it just feels like it's a lot of money for the player who might not necessarily have a transformational impact on on the team. I mean, he could, um, yeah. but you know, you look at Lukaku and you think, uh, you know, that didn't really work out. You, you think of the outlay on on Grealish. Okay, we're talking about different profiles, but I'm just thinking of really big transfers or recent transfers. I think Grealish didn't really have a transformational impact either. Um, I suppose on it's really tough, isn't it? Because I think you know Nunes does have the potential to to be a long term investment as well. At just at, is he's just twenty three, isn't he? So um, he's not actually twenty three yet. He, he's going to turn oh. twenty three in fifteen days. <laughs> okay, so technically, you know, let's let, let's paint a, an accurate picture. He's still twenty two. Um, so. You think it, it, you know, it is a long-term investment, and maybe that's been factored into the price, but it's uh, it's a lot of money, Josh, for me. Yeah, I think that the, the big surprise for me is it's it's a lot of money for a player who is he's technically only done it for a year. He's he's only really done mm. it for a season. I think that's one of the major surprises for me. Like if you look at someone like Allison, someone like Van Dijk, been around for ages, it's a little bit different. Both being signed, by the way, as well at peak age. Uh, Nunes is still, as you said, twenty-two, which is which is good, and it's you know probably a positive really because we've got him for more years than we were going to have Van Dijk and Allison, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but it's just interesting that Liverpool are willing to sanction such a large amount for a twenty-two-year-old striker who mm. has done it for one season, and he's done it for one season in the sixth best league in Europe. Mm. Uh, so. It is going to be interesting to see how things work out there. I, I take your point though when it comes to the going rate for strikers. You know, I think Juventus have just paid was it around seventy million for Vlahovic? Um, yeah, yeah, think, in January. Yeah, I think Napoli paid a fair amount for Victor Osimhenzi, um, yeah. Nigerian forward, Nigerian striker. So on that, Josh, by the way, that they uh, they want something like one hundred and ten million euros to sell them this summer. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've seen him link with Liverpool actually, and yeah. I thought to myself, no, absolutely no chance. I mean, yeah. if, if Liverpool are going to sign a forward like this, a striker, sorry, keep keep going on a forward, a striker like this, he has to be 
really mobile and quick as well. I'm not saying Awesome Hen isn't, but is I think Nunes is is that and a bit more. Um, so it's it's a nice fit really. But I think this kind of sums up. I've, I've, we we've been asked so many times on Q and A's why why Liverpool haven't signed a striker in Klopp's tenure, and one of my reasons has always been when a striker does well and he looks like a big prospect, everyone knows about it because he's probably just scored over twenty, and as a result of that, his prices always prices of strikers are always inflated, and uh, this is perfect perfect evidence. Klopp goes and buys his first striker. At Liverpool, he is technically under the radar in a way. I mean, in terms of playing for in the sixth best league in Europe and stuff, and mm-hmm. only been around for a year, and he's costing around hundred million euros. Yeah. Uh, but what I will say is, it, Benfica are, are masters at doing this. You know, I think they got over a hundred million for Joe Felix a few years back when it comes to <laughs> selling to to Atletico Madrid. So they are the type of club that will just take you to the cleaners, really. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, they've, they, yeah, and and they're probably in a position where they think, well, we don't need to sell. You know, we don't really want to sell him at the moment. Uh, has he got about two or three years left on his current deal? Yeah, it's it's uh, three. That's the issue. Right. So I mean, they they they're in a really good position. You know, if we were talking about this from a Benfica point of view, we'd be saying, well, they're in a really good position here. You know, they can kind of call the shots a little bit more. Um, you know. All Liverpool in position where they feel for the change that they actually need to get this deal done, you know, as opposed to thinking, well, we're comfortably enough holding on because, and I mentioned this to you slightly, you know, in a message yesterday, you know, is 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 are they looking at the business that Man City have done with Haaland and feeling like maybe, not that the not that I I don't class Liverpool as a re- reactive um like kind of transfer committee if that makes sense. Like I don't think they make yeah. decisions based on others. But I do just wonder whether they look at what City have done with Haaland and kind of think, one, maybe we need to um we need our own kind of marquee centre forward. Um I mean, there's a second point, but just before I move on to that, do you think that's played into it at all? The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I would be surprised no. if I know what you're saying, and I think from a lot of clubs like if United were to do it, I would probably suspect it. Yeah, yeah, think, yeah. I just think with Liverpool, I would be really surprised if they've done this on the back of what anybody else has done. It just doesn't seem to be how the club work. Hmm. I mean, it's funny that you said uh, if it was United, because United literally done that last year with with Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> they weren't even yeah. sign him, and then City did, and then they come in. But uh, second point, uh, do you think? This this um, this transfer plus Cavallo coming in. Do you think that the the four two three one's finally coming? Well, that was going to be my next point. So we'll we'll we'll, oh, we'll sort that now. Actually, um, it is interesting. It's it's something that has been mentioned a few times, and I've I'll be honest. I've always thought every time we we start hearing memes of four two three one, four three three always remains. It just remains intact mm. all the time. And I can understand why that's the case because it's been drilled into these players week in, week out for years under Jurgen Klopp. They know it inside out. And when it comes to recruitment, it's a lot easier when you know buying players for specific roles in the system. Whereas if you change your system, um, it's 
if you're changing the system all the time, it's it's difficult to recruit players to execute those roles if they're always changing. Having said that, mm. I think if it is ever going to change under Klopp, it's going to change now. That's if it's going to change. Because this, this is the period now where, you know, one of the wide forwards who the system has been built around is about to leave, like Bayern Munich. A more of a orthodox, not in a traditional sense, but more orthodox compared to Liverpool forwards. Orthodox strikers coming in, and you are signing a number ten. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be as surprised as previous years. I still think four three three will remain as the go to if I'm honest. But I think mm-hmm. maybe the split with four two three one. Maybe it'll be a lot closer to 50-50 than it's been in previous years. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. Because, I mean, I just happened to look at this yesterday and 4-3-3 was 96% of Liverpool's fixtures last season. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I agree. I don't think we're going to see a... I, I think it'll. what we might see is uh, the formation change and dependence on the opposition. You know, if... If Liverpool are coming up against the team, uh, you know, lower half, mid-table side, who are going to come to Anfield and sit in a deep block, then we might see the 4 2 3 one with the extra attacker, you know, so you've got four attackers on the pitch instead of three. Maybe if you're coming up against, uh, you know, a City, uh, Chelsea, someone like that, you, the 4 3 3 may remain in those games. That's that's what I'm expecting. But um, I know we've focused mainly on Nunes, but I just, the reason I think, more so that we could see the change this summer is because of uh, Cavajalo coming in. Uh, just because, you know, make make no mistake about it, he, you know, he is a number ten. That's that's where he's played. He's played number ten and four two three yeah. one uh, for much of his time at Fulham, and and that's where he excelled. And although I could, you could make a case for him maybe being going out wide or playing as an eight. I just thought, surely the, the, the intention is to use him as a number ten at some point, and. Obviously, he's probably at this age, not yet in a position where Liverpool just throw him in week in, week out, and he'll thrive. But, you know, maybe two or three years down the line, uh, that the intention is that he's going to be the 10 that they build around. So, I mean, these are all theories, aren't we? We don't know for sure, do we? But um, that's just where I'm leaning towards at the moment. Well, I think the big thing is is whether the squad is going that way. <clears throat> I, do, I do think... Klopp would always just use whatever formation makes the most sense for the squad. I think the majority of coaches would do that. Mm-hmm. Liverpool's squad has just always been constructed in a way which suits 4-3-3, suits three midfielders and suits uh, three forwards. But now, as you say, with one or two number 10s being added in terms of Carvalho, Firmino, as, as history is number 10, maybe you could throw Harvey Elliott in there as a 10. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Liverpool's midfielders now. They're kind of getting on, <laughs> really. I mean, Thiago, Henderson, Milner, they're all comfortably over 30. And uh, Fabinho isn't the most mobile. So, I'm, I'm, I've just been trying to get two of many, which is quite interesting. Because he, he's mm. been playing as a two at Monaco. Um, and as, I think maybe, does 4 just make more sense if your wide forwards score less goals than the previous wide forwards that were at the club. And what I mean by that is, yeah. in Diaz, Liverpool have got a top player, obviously, but I think Diaz does a bit more of the other stuff than Mane, who is more goal-orientated. Salah, goal-orientated. I think Diaz has a bit more 
wing play about him. Uh, and given that, maybe you have to add another little forward into, into the mix just to get that guaranteed goal threat all the time. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a really good point you make, actually. You know, on that, especially Diaz. You know, he is he's more traditional wide man. He does score goals, obviously he scores goals, but he also creates a lot as well. Um, and if you look at Mane's record though, in, in the Premier League, uh, predominantly it's always more goals than assists, despite being... Uh, a wide forward and okay a lot of that ties in with the system but uh, I, I think it's a good point yeah I think you, you, you're bringing in now more wide men who are, who are wide men and therefore you know a system where those wide wide attackers tend to do a little bit more of the traditional stuff would, would make sense so one question I did want to ask you is a basic one in terms of numbers at least so Nunes is passing, right? He he his passing numbers and his I suppose his general game as well suggest that he is not maybe as inclined as Klopp's current options to get involved in construction and build up play and chance creation for others and all that sort of stuff. Which kind of ties back to the whole principle of what total football is, I suppose. I think Nunes Averages about nineteen passes per match per ninety. Sorry, um, most of Liverpool's forwards I think tend to post around thirty. So it's not a major problem. People would say you know you're not buying them to make passes, you're buying them to score goals, which I understand. But what what I'm getting at is maybe Liverpool now with Nunez's addition, assigning a bit more of a possession based passenger than they've previously had. And I think the same applies to City with Haaland. I think it's interesting that Liverpool and City are both this summer going to be moving towards a a, a possession-based game which incorporates nine outfielders rather than ten, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And that, that fixed focal point in the box just kind of finishes the moves. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that'll be a, a seamless transition? Do you think I'm just overthinking it all? No, no, I don't think you are. And what I would say is there's probably an element of those numbers being so low. You know, there could be system things in there. You know, his role for Benfica could have an influence on that. Uh, maybe if he was at Liverpool and asked to do a little bit more of that, he would and he'd do, do so successfully. But I'm not I'm not so sure. Um, I'm inclined to probably agree with the, the latter point you were making that um, Haaland's probably come in predominantly to score goals. Uh, I think there's there's a chance Nunes has come in to do the same as well. Um, and then everything that comes after that is is kind of benefit, I guess. You know, a, a little bit more on top. But I think predominantly, you know, he's he's coming in to to score goals, and that'll be less of that for me. You know, okay, let's drop in as a kind of number 10 and, and, and link play, you know, be that glue in the attacking third. No, no, it's not going to be that. It's going to be more of the... It's going to be a different kind of 4-3-3, I guess, the point I'm trying to make, you know, instead of it kind of having the one dropping in, he's going to be the the kind of spear point, you know, the, the, the focal point yeah. of the attack, um, which, which, is, which is quite the change, really, compared to what Liverpool have been playing over these last few years. You know, their 4-3-3 hasn't been that. Uh, but it looks like it's going to be now. I, in short, I just can't foresee Nunes coming in and playing like a Firmino role. You know, I don't think that that plays up no. to his uh, skill set. No, but I think I think that captures the point almost that it's it, it is 
a pretty dramatic shift, really, when you're going from a forward. A, I keep going a forward. When you're going from a, a, a striker like like Firmino, who is a lot more inclined than any of his peers, really, to, to come deep and get on the ball. I think if you look at Firmino's passing numbers compared to other, you know, spearheaded players in, in, in systems, he probably touches the ball more often than any of them, just because he's a natural number 10 by, by nature, really. Mm-hmm. Nunes is kind of the opposite in many ways. So Liverpool are making quite a, a dramatic shift there when it comes to their, their number nine, if you like. Yeah, so it's mm-hmm. going to be interesting to see how things work out. But I think... On the positive side, although we might be somewhat of a passenger um, with possession, I don't think he's going to be defensively. And that's that's why I think Liverpool are interested in this player, despite him being a striker and not fitting the typical mould. He does seem to be in typically South American, really, in, in terms of their willingness to work without the ball and yeah. very, very aggressive. Um, and he's from humble beginnings, by all accounts, you know, I've seen a few stories about that sort of stuff. So I think that's it's it's a must really, isn't it? It's an absolute necessity that your your striker under Jurgen Klopp for Liverpool has to be a grafter essentially. Yeah, well, yeah, because, um, again, you try to avoid cliches, but it's not always possible. You know, the the striker is the first defender. Um and you know, the, the leave from the front so I am you think about what what the rest of that attack do in terms of pressure, it's huge. Uh and he's gotta he's gotta do that. But you know, and I, I think he will. You're right. Yeah, you know, I'm. I'm. I'm thinking of, of players, Uruguayan like attackers. Um, for me, Cavani, what an unbelievable rate, uh, unbelievable work rate, I should say, uh, without the ball, a constant menace. And from what I've seen of Nunes, he seems to have those traits in him. You know, really. Suarez, Suarez was the same. Suarez, yeah, Suarez. Uh, I feel like there's another one. I can't can't think off the top of my head, but. Yeah, it's uh, it kind of comes part and parcel with it. Maybe it's you know you've got to you've got to bring that aspect into your game to really stand out in South America to to kind of get your moves over to Europe and uh, and get your chance. And uh, he does seem to have that, and that that's never not going to be integral for no matter what changes happen or no matter how this Liverpool team evolve. That kind of pressing culture and that aggressiveness aggressiveness without the ball will never change and. And it is kind of telling that no matter who Liverpool go for in terms of profiles, they always seem to have that that edge to them. You know that ability without the ball to influence things. If you think of Diaz, if you think of Jota, you know Jota was labelled by Pep Linders, wasn't he? A press monster. Um, you know that was yeah. not even taken into consideration. Stuff he done attacking wise, and, and I definitely put Nunes in that bracket. I think he's going to be a good um, introduction in that sense. I actually think he might be more natural in that sense than than Haaland, actually, when it comes to working without the ball, chasing the opponents, just putting in the dirty work, essentially. I think he's he's more naturally inclined to do that than Haaland, so that's going to be interesting to see mm-hmm. whether that's the case, to see how Guardiola gets around that. Have uh, you got a point there, or? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just agreeing. To, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you mentioned Jota there. I suppose one of the final points I want to make regarding Nunes is a few people have raised the the issue of what what this potentially means for Jota because he's, I mean he's a striker slash forward type, uh, prefers the left if he's going to use any flank, and he cuts inside 
maybe not the sharpest on the ball, doesn't touch the ball that much. Bit of a poacher, good in the air. Does it sound like anyone? <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? That you could yeah. all of those apply yeah. to Nunes. So it's yeah. It's gonna be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, I'm just having a look at Jota now as we're talking and uh, it kind of feels like those final few weeks of the season is um his role in the team really subsided. Um and I was just checking it wasn't as a result of injuries and it wasn't really he, he really struggled to get a consistent run in the team for you know a full 90 minutes at very least um sometimes you know often forced for cameos and it's strange because he scored a lot of goals a lot of important goals but i think over the last few months it was a little bit of an eye opener in terms of his his other abilities and i don't know if you felt like this josh or you know people listening and watching but um I felt like there's a lot of uh, performances that frankly weren't the best a bit poor uh but they were masked with with crucial goals and in, in in some ways that was like you know a really appealing trait being able to score even when you're not your best but you do wonder if someone like nunez with a similar profile come in uh, and kind of scored the goals but provided everything else that at times jota was lacking um what that would mean for jota i guess we won't know until further down the line but um, his place in that starting eleven doesn't seem solidified at the moment in my eyes. Yeah, I mean, I will say he, he is the most adaptable of Liverpool's forwards, I would say. He's incredibly two-footed, can play on both flanks. And if you were to ask me now, who will start the first game of Liverpool's Premier League season, next season this is, I think Jota probably will. I don't. I'm not sure if Nunes will will immediately be thrown into the into proceedings. Maybe he will. I don't know. But I I wouldn't be surprised if if Klopp starts with a front three of Diaz, Salah, and Jota. Um, just keep that's things simple. That's on. a rare one for us. That I actually disagree. I think he would. Do start. I think he would start him. Yeah, yeah, I do. Well, I mean, I suppose getting him in early in the summer opens up that possibility, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. But I'm just thinking. Considering the, the the pressure that is placed on the shoulders of strikers to score goals and start with a bang and all that, um, I'm not. I I think Klopp might want to remove that from him, but I don't know. It it totally depends on pre-season how things go between now and then. But I don't think Jota will be totally out the fray. And you've got to you've got to remember that Mane is leaving, so that 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 means a fair amount of minutes open up there for Jota. But just in terms of stylistic fit, at least in terms of what he offers as a, as a player profile-wise and things, he does share many similarities with, with uh, Nunes. And mm. uh, I'm just not sure maybe what, what that means, really, because you, if you're paying 100 million for Nunes, Nunes starts, and Nunes probably starts as a striker. Diaz, for me, has the left side. Joss is probably not a 10. And Salah's got the right side. Salah leaves next season, probably... But then Joss is not left footed. I suppose you could take the role still, but he's not left footed. I would prefer left footed there. So it's just mm. interesting. Maybe Joss was just always bought as that super versatile player who just plays where Liverpool need him. Maybe he's just always going to be yeah. that. Yeah, well, that's what he come in as, wasn't it? And he's, yeah, maybe the, the idea is just keep him like that because we know, sadly, not everybody stays fit. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> but hopefully Nunes does. Um, but I think we'll round up there, mate. 
I think we've done, we've done enough there for a, a full episode on the Unes, I think. Uh, well, yeah. obviously got to, got to get through the summer. There's plenty of other talking points around Liverpool, Mina Mino, Ox and all that. But we'll get to them next week, I think. And we might even have a look at potential alternatives to Adelaide Schuermeni, who seems to be going to Real Madrid. So, Dave, thanks for joining us, mate. Thank you, mate. And we'll be back next week. Hopefully by then, Liverpool have landed their first striker of Jürgen Klopp's tenure. But uh, thanks for tuning in and we will see you next week. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.